Hey, this is Glenn, and today on Infants on Thrones, I sit down once again with psychotherapist Josh Neal. It's not necessarily zooming out, but it's changing it from object to subject. To continue a series of reflective discussions about what our ongoing experience with the Mormon faith crisis has been teaching us about our own mental health, vulnerability, authenticity, acceptance of reality, and the power that we all have to create emotional well-being through all of it. The human being is a self-regulating organism within its environment, Mm -hmm. and that we are sufficient to do so, and that we have within us everything we need to do this. And in our effort to self-regulate, sometimes things happen that cause us to get stuck or fixed in a certain behavioral pattern, which prevents ongoing development and growth and that through gestalt therapy one may re-engage with the the human growth process and develop more than they would if they maintained in their um, habitual out of awareness um, kind of system and so you're allowing people to take on more awareness and then from that awareness they can re-engage with their connection to reality and begin to grow in new ways and develop further than they would have. Now, if you find yourself on a similar journey and you're looking for someone to help you along the way, you can find Josh at Capitol Hill Therapy in Seattle, Washington, and you can find me right here at infantsonthrones at gmail.com. And if you appreciate the work that I'm doing here, please come and support the podcast on Patreon. And now, this is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone so how are you doing i'm i'm, I'm just recording yeah yeah this is this is all like uh eligible for publishing you know it's funny i've got this i've got this belief josh it's it's probably stems from mormonism that like everything that we do is recorded you know the (laughs) angels above us are silent notes taking (laughs) that like in the grand fabric of this energetic universe that we live in no vibrational interaction with another vibrational interaction is ever lost, no matter what form that comes in. So it's funny to me to think, oh, we're recording this and publishing this for people and they'll hear it as if there aren't versions energetically of other things that we do that aren't already being influenced. It felt, that's a popcorn kernel in my throat. vibrational influence that takes form as a popcorn kernel (laughs) interrupting with the vibrations that my throat's creating i don't know something like that (laughs) that's beautiful thank you yeah (laughs) yeah so anyway Um, how are you doing is the question (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i'm good i'm good 
it's um yeah had a nice thanksgiving it was really chill just hung out with my girlfriend and yeah no family stuff friendsgivings this year and phone calls to family i uh, didn't go home and was able to avoid all the travel so i was happy about that all right it's a it's a tough time of year for me holidays uh thanksgiving christmas uh you know being divorced having three kids my kids are all pretty much grown now my youngest turns 20 next month and you know they're all graduated from high school and living in different states and so trying to get together is just tricky now anyway but it's always a hard time of the year for me and i i think it is for other people as well definitely sure it is. definitely yeah. it absolutely is yeah yeah how about you how about you well i mean that question i'm i'm still just kind of thinking about what you just shared so all right about your family and the situation and i was curious about I don't know the specifics, but also, I mean, you know, you can answer or not, but go ahead. Yeah. 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 I was just curious how the, how the Thanksgiving played out, given all that you just said, like what, what did it end up being like? Did they not, none of them made it home? Oh no, no. I was able to be with my daughter, my daughter, um, and my mom and my sister. Um, and then my girlfriend, uh, we spent some time together too. Like she had her family. My girlfriend had a, like a big family thing about three hours North of where I'm at. And so I went up on Wednesday, I drove up and then was there Wednesday night. And then I drove back Thursday and did the Thanksgiving with my family. And then Friday I hung out with my daughter and then Saturday I was back with my girlfriend, you know, so I was kind of like back and forth with everybody. It was a little, little chaotic and there's like some drama stuff that's going on in the family there always is drama stuff that's going on but you know like for the most part i thought it was great you know i was able to just like surf the drama and it's fine but afterwards i just was tired yeah that makes just sense exhausted yeah well i'm thinking about like as you're as you're answering i'm like why didn't i go home you know the easy on the surface answer is like Oh, the travel's hard. And yeah. I just I just want to stay in Seattle and I'm really enjoying this new relationship. So just settle in with that. And those things I think are true. But when you're talking about the drama, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of family drama that would always happen for mine too. And I can just imagine <laughs> just very poorly emotionally regulated adults in a room yeah. together trying to trying to manage each other's neuroticism a lot of that is like my family and just like yeah just there's always something brewing somewhere something chaotic i'm glad you said that what what did you say poorly managed emotion something like that Yeah, just bad emotion regulation in adults like like they're behaving in a childish way in a sense i Um, appreciate that you said that because it helps me put it into context that you know like i think for the most part like with all the the drama that i you know i'm not going to go into specifics on what it was but i think it was handled really well by everyone Mm. that was you know like like my my mom my sister uh my daughter um all all of us you know like have our blind spots but i i feel like we're getting more accepting of each other so like it was I, I I had a really great uh, experience with my sister who like broke down and I 
went and spent, I don't know how long it was. It felt like three hours, but it was probably like 20 minutes, just like this really awesome connection and just kind of being there for her with some stuff that she's going through. And she's there for me with stuff that I'm going through. And it was, it was a nice connection. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, 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 I wouldn't say that, that any of the drama was poorly managed. Whereas in years past, I would have. Mm. So I feel differently about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little, my mind's a little raced, racing right now, Josh, because um, my girlfriend rediscovered this PlayStation 2 video game called Tricky. It's like a snowboarding game. Yeah, I'm aware and of it. I've played it. We played it all last night and then I started playing it this morning and I could feel like I was thinking about our discussions about being present in the moment. I could feel it taking over my nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still kind of like racing from it a little bit. <laughs> it's funny that you're still rocking the PlayStation 2. Oh, it was like an old throwback thing. It's like, uh, uh, let's go yeah. old school just for some fun. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and I'm not sure if all of the versions are called this, but the one I'm aware of is called SSX Tricky. Yes. Was Yeah, yeah, yep. I played that on GameCube, and it's probably the same version you're playing if it's PlayStation 2 GameCube era. I mean, that's yeah. pretty, Similar. GameCube maybe is a little later, but. Yeah, I, I just noticed that my body was like fully, uh <laughs> I was just racing. It's like I needed yeah. I needed some mindfulness afterwards, but it was so hard to like slow down. I was like wound up. I still feel wound up. Yeah, that's so funny. I love that game. Yeah. It's funny because when I lived with uh, my senior year in high school, I lived with um, my bishop. Uh, his name's Johnny Williamson and his son is Johnny Williamson Jr. And he's my mm -hmm. friend and it was in Viter, Texas. And <clears throat> I had that GameCube down there uh and i had that game on it and i don't know if if he said it over the pulpit or if he just said huh. it to me later but he was talking about how he was still feeling like he was seeing that game because he because mm. my johnny's dad johnny had had played it so it's just funny he had a very similar that game in particular yeah uh, had that impact on him yeah you get a lot of air in that game Oh, it's just, it's absurd. It's flips for anybody yeah. who's never played it. It's essentially the NBA jam, which also another reference that people probably have yeah. no idea what I'm talking about, but it's not really snowboarding anymore. It's a chaotic thing where you can fly through the air forever on these jumps. You're doing tricks where you're taking off your snowboard and like flipping it around your body and grabbing it back. And you're grinding rails for like forever. It's basically if the laws of physics didn't apply, and you yeah. just had this chaotic thing and it was, it's like a fun um, the games that come to mind are like NBA jam, NFL blitz. They're not mm. really football or basketball or snowboarding anymore. They've done a different thing with it now Yeah, where they, they took the physics off <laughs> and just let you go. Wild. Yeah. It's like, it's pattern recognition and being able to push the right buttons at the right times. And you know, like all that yeah. stuff. And yeah. And it hijacks the nervous system. I get all these dopamine hits and then just like <laughs> ramped up and it's going crazy on it. Cool. So do, do you have a sense of like what you want to focus on today? No, Josh? no, no, not really. I just wanted to talk and just see where we ended up again, I guess I did. Okay. I mean, 
I've been, I haven't fully uh, reviewed what I'm going to do, uh, but I, I, I train gestalt therapists and I'm training them this weekend. And one mm. of the topics that I'm going to be going over with them is something I've trained on before, but again, I haven't really reviewed it. I'm just going to, after our discussion, I'm going to basically go and revamp what I'm going to share with them. But the topic is a gestalt principle called field theory, which is kind of something <laughs> you and I, um, have talked about a lot actually incidentally <laughs> now this time i'm hearing the dog that's funny because yeah. in the past i haven't heard the dog well it's funny we're talking field theory it's like everything is connected and then gretel's like oh, i'm here i'm connected yeah um shut her out um anyway it's this theory and it's essentially going from a causal universe to a field oriented universe so it's it's taking this aristotelian cause effect big bang god being the beginning of it all to everything is happening at once and everything affects everything and everything's changing all the time and it's looking at reality through that lens and then it's looking at how people cope with that larger reality and what we are and a part of it and so it's really a very foundational philosophical approach for gestalt therapy which is that we're not looking necessarily for um it shifts us away from looking at the causal chain of why cause and effect and it looks at how in the present moment and and what and it shifts the focus to those questions when you're looking at individuals and their functioning is what's happening for them now and and that's looking at the process and then looking at also um, what needs might it be serving or, or for what purpose are they doing it or, or what's their, <clears throat> what's their meaning making and relational connection to it. And the idea is that each of us are kind of in this reality where everything affects everything all the time and we're meaningfully interacting with it to meet our needs and create, create some kind of equilibrium in our, our organism. Um, but the, 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 the topic is called field theory, um, which is kind of a physics thing. Actually, it started in physics, um, like quantum, like quantum field theory. Yes. Yes. And so it's applying it to the psychology of we are, we are existing in a reality of fields, basically meaning anything that's, and everything does impact everything. And, and, and all of those things are happening all the time, but they, nothing stays the same, but everything is as it is, but nothing stays as it is. Like basically we're in the river kind of analogy. The river is this flowing thing in time. And yet you get dropped into it. It has certain qualities, but none of them are staying the same. And so it's kind of, in a sense, one of the ways I might describe it is it's the cosmology of, um, of Gestalt therapists, which is our theory for reality. Yeah. And so we're, we're talking about what we think the nature of reality is at the low base level before we approach the, 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 the healing art. Um, we want to see what is the nature of reality itself. And so we have the nature of human existence, which is existentialism. And then we have this field theory, which is the kind of our, our philosophy, our theory yeah. for what, what reality, what were the, what is the nature of reality? Yeah. I, I I love it that 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 stuff feels so intuitively just like true to to, to me and yeah. I I I wonder though how practical 
it is in, you know, when, when, when you're working with a client and they're in whatever, what they've got, whatever presenting problem it is that brought them, you know, to, to therapy, how, how does the field theory or, or, or maybe even just like you as a gestalt therapist, having this worldview of, you know, everything is changing, everything's influencing, you know, like you're in the moment right now. Mm-hmm. Like how, how does that help the, the client resolve the issues that they want resolved? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I think you in part answered it already with the piece of it's something that is ingested in and and incorporated into the soul of the therapist. Yeah. And it it will show up in the therapeutic interaction um by informing how the therapist interacts with their with their client and, and what they think they're doing. And part of the way that it does that is it demands that the therapist take everything as it's happening as potentially relevant. Mm -hmm. And it invites the therapist to not get a, get tunnel vision on pet theories Mm -hmm. and, and it lets everything remain unique and vital. And it returns both client and therapist, but primarily the therapist radically to that present moment to be fully with that person, taking in each singular thing happening now as potentially vital and important and, and valid. And when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Mm -hmm. When you're a therapist that thinks everything is about an oppressive society, which is a very common um, ideology today, then every moment you're going to be finding that nail and you're going to be interpreting and imposing it. Um, if you're an attachment theorist, which is very common and popular in psychotherapy and useful. And so is, so is obviously looking at society's impact on people. We don't want to be, we don't want that to be irrelevant, but when you get tunnel vision on a lens, field theory stretches you back and lets you operate with more openness and curiosity and interest in whatever is happening in the moment so that you don't get sucked into the lazy stance, which any therapist will want, which is to have more certainty, to know a direction to go, to look for mommy issues, attachment theory, society's oppression, um, you know, biological issues, whatever it may be, there's theories and they're all relevant and they're all useful. So I'm not saying, I want to be clear, I'm not saying don't look through those lenses, but field theory says that is a lens and it opens you up to that is its own inherent meaning making system. So what field theory does for the interaction between the therapist and the client is it's constantly stretching and expanding the therapist to be very present in the moment, radically humble and aware of the lenses that they're using so that they're not just believing them and being captured by them and thinking I'm going to solve this problem, but it's, it's understanding that everything that happens between the two is an ongoing active meaning-making process. So it essentially creates a more humble, present focused, um, self-aware therapist. That's what it can do. That's that anything could be relevant. There's a theory in in field theory. It's the theory of possible relevance that something you might be so searching for is irrelevant to the person. Like, 
one thing that I look at as a lens that's interesting to me is, is gender and specifically men and men, men's issues. But if I'm always looking at making it about you being a man, I might miss something entirely relevant. That's just, this is about being Mormon, or this is about, um, you know, living in Arizona, or it might be about being a father or just any other thing that, that could be relevant the field theory demands based on the nature of this, that there is no one single causal thing, but there is something more vital, which is the present moment, which allows you to be with that person as they are right now. And that's, that is the issue. It basically, you're, you're making contact with it right there, right then. And you're not necessarily, you don't miss the forest for the trees. You're just constantly returning to, I'm already in it all the time. Yeah. And, and this person is as they are now, and their issue is already here right now happening in some way because they are being themselves already, whether fully authentically or not. And so it, it, at the same time, it simplifies, it expands this thing of whatever the person's doing, they're doing now to some degree and anything could be relevant to that. And you can't get comfortable and lazy in the lenses that you use to explore and I want to just for clarity here, none of those theoretical lenses are bad, but they have to be understood as theoretical lenses, not the truth. And if we have any truth that Gestalt therapists fall back on, it's our field theoretical stance of this understanding of of reality itself. It's a theory. We don't know it, but it's the theory that we operate from. Yeah. Boy, I I don't totally know what what to do with that, Josh. I, I I feel like it would be fun in a way to to walk through an example <laughs> where where I because I I could see how I could get tunneled like I get excited about certain theories that that I come across like attachment theory that that you mentioned. It's a good and, theory. It's very and, useful. Yeah. And and like when I started understanding myself more from attachment theory and I started understanding, um, you know, things that my mom told me about when I was a little kid, um, I, I, I may be guilty of getting, uh, you know, like too hyper-focused on attachment theory, um, to explain why I am certain ways. Mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. so so but i'm not i'm yeah i'm t- freaking tricky uh that video game i'm still racing <laughs> still racing from it yeah yeah so let me let me slow down josh yeah yeah where where would you like to go with this well i mean i kind of laid it out but it's also a little bit like maybe in a future episode i could really walk us through it because i i need to review it myself okay to look at what are there are specific things and psychotherapy reminds me of music theory a lot of the time in that people are kind of telling you what they did to wrap their head around it but they're not really the theory only structures practice and the practice is the actual goal And so field theory is taught in ways that allow therapists to get to a certain place of, of ability. However, it's in my view, my opinion is that it's taught in a much too abstract of a way. 
it hasn't been brought down and crystallized in a way that's as useful. It's actually something I'm really passionate about trying to do as a Gestalt therapist. So I'd like to do it more justice and really try to get into it because I, I have the belief there's a way to talk about it. That's not so heady and obscure and it's mm. that it could be spoken to. And if I could teach it to like a, at a, a seven-year-old comprehension level, then I would feel satisfied. Yeah. And all right, we interrupt this episode of Infants on Thrones to uh, go ask ChatGPT to explain Gestalt therapy's field theory in a way that a seven-year-old would understand it. And so here's what ChatGPT said, because ChatGPT, you know, because ChatGPT. It says, all right, imagine you're playing with a big set of toy blocks. You'll have to tell me if this is any good, Josh, when you listen back to this. Uh, you have different colors, shapes, and sizes. Now think of each block as part of your life. Some blocks are your family and friends. Others are your feelings, like when you're happy or sad. And some are things that happen around you, like school or playing in the park. Field theory in Gestalt therapy is like looking at how you build something with all these blocks. It's not just about one block, but about how all the blocks fit together. It's like asking, how do these blocks work together to make something cool, or sometimes something not so cool? For example, if you're feeling sad, that's one block, it might be because you had a tough day at school, another block, or maybe you had a fight with your friend, another block. All these blocks are connected and they affect each other. If you change one block, like making up with a friend, the whole picture changes and you might feel happier. So field theory is like looking at the whole picture you make with your blocks, not just one block at a time, it helps you understand how everything in your life fits together and affects how you feel about what you do or helps you feel <laughs> and affects how you feel about what you do. It's like being a detective looking at all the clues, the blocks to understand the big story. All right, Josh. So you'll have to let me know if that's a good analogy or not. So, something tells me it might be a little simplistic. Um, but I did wonder, you know, where my head's kind of at is like some of the stuff I brought up, did it, did you have any questions or were, was it completely like, yeah. did I lose you there? And maybe I did. Um, and so maybe it's a discussion for another time to really hammer it in and look at what we mean by these different concepts, but all the readings I've done of it never satisfied me. I mm. almost want to blaze my own trail or go back to Fritz Perl's his original writings or maybe even look at quantum field theory hmm. and then kind of draw my own thing yeah because i have a strong desire to bring field theory into the realm of an easily comprehensible um like state i want it to be shared yeah. easily so as as you were describing and i'll tell you what was going on through in in my head i the phrase that you used when you were talking about the forest for the trees, that, yeah. that really seemed to kind of summarize what you were saying. And yeah. that like any one person, any client that you might be working with might come in and say, you know, I have a mommy issue. I have daddy issues. I have the, you know, this is my thing. And you as a attachment style, right. Yeah. I have avoidant attachment. I have avoidant style. attachment style or yeah. I have PTSD or I have, you know, like, whatever kind of labels they'll come in mm -hmm. what their background 
they've been exposed to and resonates with them, they'll share with you. And what you're wanting to do as a Gestalt therapist is to accept that, accept that there's real value in that. They wouldn't have been attracted to this if there wasn't a reason for it. But at the same time, you want to zoom out and see how that is a part of everything else or many other things that are going on and not just focus on that one thing because there's a lot going on. Right. Well, we also, you're, you're kind of helping me um, in the way that you're making sense of it, which is it's not necessarily zooming out, but it's changing it from object to subject. So we want to look at the person, not as an object that got there from some simplistic causal chain, but we want to look at how the person is being in relationship to that concept that they're bringing up. They're introducing an idea mm-hmm. and we don't believe the idea actually. Mm. We accept that it is a form of making meaning of an experience that they're sharing that has relevance to them. And they're using words to talk about something that's happening for them. Yeah. But they are not their PTSD and the PTSD isn't even real. It is constructed by humans to describe something that is real. Yeah. And so what is real is an ongoing multidimensional real experience of these different fields of their being interacting in the world that has a history that's habitually behaving in ways responding to their body but we want to look at the subjective uh relevance of that label so for example if we pick something like a person says i have ptsd something's happening and i want to understand what that is and how this person experiences it from a descriptive way and look at all the different things that impact them and how they make meaning and respond to it. And I accept that it's fine to understand it through that lens, but I always remember it's a lens and I don't become, I don't, I don't let the clothes wear me. Uh, Diagnostics are clothes that are made to fit people, but we don't fit people into the clothes. And so we want to really come back to the subjective reality of the thing. One, one quick example of, uh, of cultural difference in diagnostic and um, treatment is that in Eastern Asia, and I don't remember where it was shared with me by one of my um, graduate school professors that they diagnose and treat schizophrenia as demonic possession. And they have better treatment outcomes than we do in the U S with that modality of treatment, because what happens is they, They bring the people into the home. They surround them by family. They do not make it the person's fault. There's no, nothing's wrong if you got possessed. It's not you doing something bad or, or anything. And they love and they surround the people with care and they have better treatment outcomes than we do. Yeah. So this is just an example of both of those things are real. Is the person possessed or are they schizophrenic? I don't know. Something's happening and it's happening in a field of things of our reality. And we're meaningfully organizing around it and doing things in relation to it in the goal of helping. I'm getting a little tripped up as I'm thinking about this. I'm getting tripped up with what you said earlier about the Aristotelian cause and effect model. That would make us more of of an objective world of causes and effects. Mom didn't love me. Now I'm insecurely attached yeah that what we want to do is change that to 
How am I experiencing reality now? What stories am I telling myself? What memories do I have of this? How did that feel then? What's happening now? And let me return to being a subjective human in the present moment who has awareness and can start to respond and find out what happens and how I can deal with my bodily sensations and become more aware of them. Okay. So, so th th this is going to touch home to me because my, my mom told me I'm the, I'm the oldest. And my mom told me that when uh, I was born, my dad believed that uh, a crying baby should be left alone so that they could be weaned off of the attachment to the mother and like develop self confidence or whatever. There was some philosophy that he believed that was the right thing. And according to attachment theory, that's not the right thing because according to attachment theory, the way that I, as a child would have been, you know, wanting, needing the nurturing from my parents, not getting it. And then I start creating my own coping mechanisms of how I take care of myself. And it involves like not trusting and other things like that. So I, I grow up, I spend most of my life with these unconscious uh, coping mechanisms of creating stories where I don't trust other people. I don't engage with other people. You know, it, that's sort of a thing that I feel like has happened to me. And so what you're saying is you're not going to believe that story. You're just saying it, it might maybe something, but really what's happening in the moment right now that's making you even tell that story or making you feel the way that you're feeling right now, like bring it into this moment right now. How are you feeling? The is past, that what you're saying? The past has relevance, but it only has relevance now. Right. And so, yeah, well, that's a, I'm sorry that happened. I, I think a lot of children, uh, and I think the guy was Dr. Spock. I at least yes. know much. Yeah. 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 So he, he really did a lot to damage a lot of people and make them suffer because it's completely opposite of what we now understand, uh, the, the infant's reality to be experienced like, and it's absolutely um, not the right move. You want yeah. the first six months to be hyper-responsive to the baby because the baby doesn't know that they're different from you. So yeah. it's actually building their confidence to take care of them, that they can um, deal with their own problems because the baby believes I am dealing with my problems directly. There's no fully formed ego so they're not separate from their environment yet. And they just believe when I cry, I get taken care of. That makes me feel strong and capable. Yeah. Um, it's very, yeah. Anyway, so I have a lot of thoughts there on just what you shared. Um, me too. It's been like, you know, like it's been months of this, like, <laughs> anyway, like it comes up for me and it's like, but it's been, I, I feel like it's been helpful for me to understand why I, I don't know why I am the way that I am. Right. And that yeah. is helpful. And that can help in the moment. What we don't want to do is turn ourselves into objects in some Aristotelian math problem of cause and effect. And so I am the way I am now because this thing happened. <laughs> what we want is to return to the present moment as a subject who can take on responsibility for how you are now, which means to say, what is what is still with me here? What am I in touch with? What's happening in the moment where I'm getting aware of these memories or feeling this thing that I'm feeling? 
So, so is it, uh, yes, that, yes, that thing happened to me. Yes. It had some kind of an impact, but there are so many other things that also happened to me and so many other impacts that have, that I'm not looking at and all no, of those things. No, no, no. We no? don't want to go into the other things. We want to stay with the thing, but say, how is it now with you? What's going on right now? So when you're right now, you're maybe just saying there's a meaningful way that I make sense of this. And you may not be having a big physiological reaction, but sometimes people can actually be tapping into something that they feel that's deep inside them, that they, that they can conjure up through maybe some kind of process group where other people are talking about these things, or maybe something happened recently to them. And so, or maybe right in the moment, like it could be freshly happening between them and the therapist, like they're actually, it's tapping into something that's bringing it up to the surface right then and there. And that would be the most vital and potent thing that would be the relational piece, which might be like, I have some sense you'll let me down. I have some sense you won't be here for me. I yeah. feel rage and powerless and small these are feelings that would probably be associated with early infant yeah. developmental wounding that that could happen that would be extremely powerful sensations that a person could experience and they're going to happen in the moment so we don't need to move off to other topics that's part of the field theory but it's not the way we apply it what we do here is we look at how is it happening right here right now and what is happening right here, right now? And what is going on? And how are you experiencing this now? Maybe you're mad at your mom, or maybe you're thinking you're mad at Dr. Spock, or maybe you're just sad the whole thing happened at all. I don't know, but we don't. Yeah, we. it's more about looking at the subjective reality that's currently happening in the present. And that's our focus. Yeah, I have a whole big story about how <laughs> about how i uh have made peace with all of this stuff but maybe that's not really relevant and, but uh, yeah i don't i don't i don't totally know what to do with this josh yeah so in this moment right now i i don't even know if i could tell you what i'm feeling yeah. And that, that might be fine. So in the moment right now, what you might be aware of is I'm not sure what's going on. And then you'd say, okay, well, what are you aware of before you try to organize it? I, I'm, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this. I'm feeling yeah. kind of like a, like a, there, there's the, the awareness that I'm recording something for a podcast. And so I'm asking yeah. myself, is this going to be interesting to anybody who's listening to it? And what topic could I bring up that would then be interesting if this isn't interesting? <laughs> and is that, more distraction stuff that I've created to keep myself from feeling whatever I'm feeling. Yeah. Well, at least this I can say is it, it definitely is going into your head and thinking yeah. and it's analyzing and it's yeah. a meta analysis of 
one of the actual conditions of this space, which is that it's being recorded for a podcast, not a like private therapy session. Mm -hmm. And so that does impact. And that is like a field theory thing of like, that is one of the here now present impacts of what we're doing is we're recording something for a podcast, but it also has a function, which whether whatever we may make of it does likely take you further from the experience of the sensations. And it's thinking about it's, it's going from just fully opening up to whatever comes up when you're thinking about um, your infancy and maybe having some sense of how that's with you today and then reviewing what's appropriate to share in a podcast. Like that's, that's going to have an impact on how close or far away you feel from that, that direct kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where I want to go is metaphysic, like how it all fits into everything, <laughs> you know, and, and like, like the quantum field theory, when I first came across that, and I've I've shared bits and pieces of it on Infants on Thrones probably for the last three or four years, uh, because it 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 I just I loved it I I loved the way that this idea that we're all uh, so so quantum field theory the way that I understood it okay I got to stop I got to stop. This, this is like my mind trying to like take me down different things. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, but what I'll do now is I'll insert one of these quantum field theory things that I loved from David Tong that I've shared on the podcast before. But uh, for anybody who's listening to this who might be interested in what you're hearing, this is the thing that I'm talking about and then refusing to talk about. <laughs> Just kidding. So there is spread everywhere throughout this room something that we call the electron field. Okay, it's like a fluid that fills this room and in fact fills the entire universe. And the ripples of this electron fluid, the ripples of uh, the waves of this fluid, get tied into little bundles of energy by the rules of quantum mechanics. And those bundles of energy are what we call the particle, the electron. Okay? All the electrons that are in your body are not fundamental. All the electrons that exist in your body are waves of the same underlying field. Okay? We're all connected to each other. It's like you know, the waves uh, on the ocean all belong to the, the same underlying ocean. Uh, the electrons in your body are the ripples of the same field as the electrons in my body. I don't know what to do right mm. now, Josh. Mm. Well, maybe just notice that. Yeah. Maybe that, that can be the most... It seems like what's taking center stage is go somewhere, go down these paths. Yeah. So that that becomes the most relevant thing. It's the most interesting thing in the moment. Is part of is part of your worldview as a gestalt therapist that um you you've talked about abundance before mm -hmm. like that everything's abundant is it kind of that all of the experiences are 
I, I, I want to say good, but I don't, I don't want to use a binary word like that. Like good, that, that, that there's really nothing wrong with anything. Like everything's kind of perfect as it is. What we would say is that the human being is a self-regulating organism within its environment mm -hmm. and that we are sufficient to do so and that we have within us everything we need to do this. And in our effort to self-regulate, sometimes things happen that cause us to get stuck or fixed in a certain behavioral pattern, which prevents ongoing development and growth. And that through Gestalt therapy, one may re-engage with the, the human growth process and develop more than they would if they maintained in their um, habitual out of awareness um, kind of system. And so you're allowing people to take on more awareness. And then from that awareness, they can re-engage with their connection to reality and begin to grow in new ways and develop further than they would have. And each person has to determine whether or not they think that has value for them. It's my belief that that does have value for people. It's my belief that that is a useful thing to have, have in your life, that it can allow for a much more meaningful, vibrant and vital existence. Um, because you don't know what you're capable of becoming if you get frozen in a habitual process. Yeah. Um, and it's my belief as a stoic that I think is very compatible with Gestalt therapy theory and existentialism that a tranquil life is a quality life and that every human has access to that. Everyone born has access to it. And I do not believe that preservation or length of life is the same as quality of life because all lives include death. And so I don't even aim for preserving life in order for a life to be good. And that allows me to accept that there is goodness even in death, there's goodness in all endings, and that the universe itself is a self-sufficient reality. And so that's my belief, yeah. but that's more informed by my stoic philosophy, but it's easily integrated and grounded in a gestalt therapy, theoretical stance of existentialism and field theory. Yeah. As I, was, as I was listening as I was listening to you talk about that, I I kept thinking about reincarnation because you you were talking about there's you know like every person is self regulating, uh, every human being is a self regulating organism within their environment, and mm -hmm. things are always changing, um, and you can get stuck in these patterns and loops of behavior that prevent your growth. Yes. Um, and Gestalt therapy is something that can help somebody become more aware of what's going on and give other options, opportunities to re-engage to, to, to growth. I've read books like uh, Many Lives, Many Masters, uh, Destiny of Souls. I don't know if you're familiar with any of these uh, where... Uh, hypnotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. I don't know who these guys are um, exactly, <laughs> but they'll hypnotize their clients and they'll 
tell this remarkable story. It's fascinating. I love these books just for, you know, like it's so interesting. Mm. They'll go into a hypnotic state and uh, they'll relive some past life experience or something. And then in that therapeutic environment, they talk about it. And it, there's just been some really cool things that I, I've learned from it. Mm. Or at least the, the way that it, it, it expands my my way of thinking about things. And in this case, it's this idea of these loops that get stuck, you know, like you can get stuck in this loop and maybe this life is a life where you're not getting out of that loop. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then because the universe is bigger than this life and whatever a, a human soul is or that stuff, it, there would be opportunities to get out of that loop. And so like that well being and that tranquility is a, bigger thing than just like a human life and human existence. That's what I kept thinking about as you were talking yeah. about the thing that, that maybe there's like a line that you would say, no, we're not, we're not going to do reincarnation because that's, <laughs> that's too crazy. We're just going to focus on this one life. And can you get out of the loops in this one life? Um, I don't know that that's, that's what I was thinking about. Well, this is, a, I like where you're going. What comes up when you're saying it is the concept of freedom, that it's a fact, not a, not, it's not a value. It's a existential, essential part of reality is that people have their own ability to make their own choices and enact them. And this is part of where, and people, whether conscious or not, also follow their own value set somehow. Right. And some people will never want to be different or iterate or grow. They will stay where they are. And so for me as a Gestalt therapist, I don't hold some grand stance that everyone should have therapy or deserves therapy or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I believe that there are some people who seek out these kind of experiences and I provide those and I believe they are valuable. And if someone else from their own freedom chooses to engage in a therapeutic endeavor with me, that they have the ability to have something happen in their life that can provide this for them. I, my goal is to do that to the utmost of my ability to serve them in that way, to increase their awareness so they can again, re-engage in their own vitality and growth and existence and, and, and that's, that's, that's where I'm getting that, that like, the re-engage in yeah. their own vitality and growth to me, like that kicks me in the nuts somehow like that. I don't really like that because it yeah. suggests that they weren't already engaged yeah. in it. Right. And that it, it's kind of these questions of like what success and what's failure, right? that if I'm thinking about it more from like a universal reincarnation, it's not just this one life and that you could go, Oh, he lived a successful life or no, he lived a failed life. Like yeah. every single life that's being lived is right. success and you're right. learning, you're gaining experience. You're part of this entity that is interacting with the environment and co-creating the environment. And everybody's kind of doing that together. And it's not, it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just what is. And, and yes, I, it that's, is what that's is, kind of what I'm responding to, I think. Right. No, I get it. What you're responding to is like an implied value in what I'm saying that it feels as though maybe 
I'm implying that this is what everyone should have it or what's supposed to be or what is good. Before yeah. before I went through Gestalt therapy, I was living a terrible life and right, I right, was horrible right. and I was stuck and I, you know, like yeah. it, it yeah. didn't, my life wasn't worth anything. And now right. it's worth, some, you know, it's like right. that kind of thing. Like it's yeah. what shifted in that case, your mindset, you know, like okay. just the way that you look at it, you're like, as far right. as your, like the way that life has evolved to give a human the ability to have the kinds of conversations and ask the questions, and, you know, play the PS2 right. games and things like right. that. It's perfect. It's great. Like it, right. the, 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 like uh, this, this is, is going to seem out of left field, but I've been thinking a lot about the, the cells of my body and especially my neurons as being um, the foundation upon like it, it it's the foundation upon which I exist and it's my own private um, zoo mm. or, or, you know, like, like all these living creatures that are, and they're, they're perfect. And I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I think, I, I think I can get at what you're connecting to. And for me, it goes to this. It's, it's the universe wants to paint with all of the colors in the crayon box. And it is. And it is painting yeah. with all those colors. Yeah. And we can believe that all of those colors are good, including all of the things that are horrifically painful and destructive that exist in the world. Yeah, maybe. And, I mean, I have a hard time with the word good, but keep going. Well, they just are then. Yeah. We'll say that. <laughs> right. and there's an abundance in that they are. And I and think it that's exists. what- And it exists. They yeah. just, and the universe wants to paint with them. It wants the darkest story it can tell. It wants the happiest story it can tell. And it plays all the songs. The universe iterates in all these ways. It, it, it needs the black and the white in its coloring and all the colors in between. And those things are inherently part of the total thing, which is in total good. However, there then comes down this human endeavor, which is basically ethics is what we're getting at, which is, is there and values we're getting to values and ethics is, is what we're coming up against here. And there, there's a stance that's pluralistic, which says, I may have values and live a life that is valuable to me based on other people. And that is my duty to enact that. But because I believe in human freedom and the ability for difference, I can respect that everyone else is living their life as appropriate to itself as it is. And I can acknowledge it and value it. And I don't wish to inflict my values on them or prod them or tisk tisk them or tell them right. they're not getting the growth they could. And I think that's what you bump up against is your desire for honoring everyone's process wherever they are yeah and i do too and i honor my own values and i honor the values of my clients in that they align with the project that i'm endeavoring to do which is if somebody came to me and said i want to be a master musician i might say well you're gonna to have to go somewhere else i don't mm. know if i can do that for you or they might go to someone who can do that for them. And let's say they are with somebody who can do that for them. They both share that value and they're exchanging an ability to develop that way. That's how I see my, my form of therapy. It's I'm doing a specific thing that's very useful for people that share these values and want these things. And I do see them as a re-engagement in human growth. They allow people to get out of a habitual 
um, pattern and bring something into their awareness that allows more choice. And from that choice, they can re-engage in the world and they can discover themselves more fully. Right. And in that more full self-discovery, they begin becoming more than they were before, which is what I call growth. Mm -hmm. And, and not everybody needs to want that. Not everybody's life is undignified or unworthy without it. Um, but it is what I value. And it is what I think some people want. And I think for those people, it's extremely in, in beneficial. Yeah. Well, I, today's a shorter conversation than we've had before. We've got about five minutes and then uh, I've got to jump off. Um, and uh, like, I, I, I think we're just kind of getting to the heart of it in me of mm -hmm. like why, why this is such an important thing to me. And I'm going to say some words here that I'm not even going to believe and you won't believe either, but here's my story. It, you know, um, people that I care about a lot, I see um, struggling with their stories of harm that was done to them by other people in the past. And when I see them keep telling those stories over and over and over and over again, I, I get annoyed. I get upset. I wish that they wouldn't do it. And what I've recently started doing is going, oh, wait, that's me judging them and my own judgment. Like instead of me accepting that whatever process they're going through is fine. And I really don't know if this is good or healthy for them. Like there's this part of me that's saying this isn't healthy. And that part of me that's saying is that isn't healthy is keeping me from fully engaging with them because I think that there's something bad and something wrong with them. And if I make this shift in my mind of being like, you know what, I don't really know if it's good or bad. So I'm going to assume that they're in exactly the right place. It's fine. And I'm just going to uh, support what I can support instead of say, oh, this is bad. This is wrong. You've got to move on. You've got to do better. You know, and it, it's that internal struggle I've been dealing with. Uh, yeah. And I, I think as a as a therapist, it's really important to be neutral and not to think, oh, the way that you're going about this is unhealthy and, and bad and wrong. Unless it really is unhealthy, bad and wrong. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, well, so I think you can do it you can do a couple things. You can notice the impact the person has on you and be curious about it and just reflect on it. Yeah. And then you can have your own value set around what you think for you telling a story over and over does for you. And you can evaluate whether or not you think that's useful. And then you can invite awareness to another person about their process and find out what they're getting out of it. And that's where you just, you don't have to feel anything. This is just a technique. And that's the beauty about this is you can suspend all of everything inside you and do something helpful for a person by just demonstrating and behaving with curiosity. Mm -hmm. So you can say, what's going on when you share this with me or what's happening right now? What are you hoping to gain from this? And you then gently and lovingly and with clinical judgment, you, you can attempt to bring into their awareness. I've heard this story now several times and I'm open to giving you feedback on how that impacts me, but I don't need to. If we want to go relational, we can talk about that. But the other thing is what happens when you share it and what happens when you tell me about it, what are you getting out of this right now? 
what's happening for you. In my opinion, when something repeats, 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 it's no longer within the organismic self-regulation process anymore because it's not resolving a need. It's just happening over and over and over and over and outside of it. And it might be a way that a person avoids taking responsibility for or risking action, or they might be too afraid to take action, or they might not have enough internal self-support, meaning that they can't they, they, if they, if they make an attempt or an effort to get something and it doesn't work, that's so painful for them and so crushing that they avoid taking action and they just want to talk, but there's a lot of important things we can get to. But if you just say, well, it's good. And they're doing what's right for them. That's also a judgment. And right. Yeah. It happens to be positive, but it's the same sin. Yeah. A positive judgment and a negative judgment are the same sin. It's judgment. Thank and you. So, yes. Yeah. And so yeah. what you want to do is use curiosity in the moment and your own experience. But you may suspend that yeah. for some people with clinical judgment if your belief is that that may not be where they're at right now to tolerate that. And that's fine but you can always bring curiosity to it and invite them to become aware of what they're doing and take responsibility for it. And then they may say things like, yeah, right now I just really want to talk about it forever and I don't ever see an end and I just want to keep talking about it. And then you can make a decision as a therapist as whether you're game for that. And if you want them to be paying to come in and do that and you're agreeing to that, that's fine. But if you don't, you can say, well, I'm not really into that. You're going to need to do that outside of your time because I don't find that to be a good use for you and I don't really like it. Yeah. It's annoying to me. I don't I don't want to take your money if I don't see that we're really making any headway here. And that doesn't yeah. sound like headway to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of ways you can say, you know, you might also want a bagel, but I'm not going to go cook you one. Yeah. What I do is help people become aware of things. I don't actually get paid to sit here and listen to them repeat problems. That's actually <laughs> not what I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. What I do is invite awareness into the moment so you can take responsibility for your existence and live a more vital life. Um, And so what I want you to do is see if that's what you want to be doing with me, because that's what I'm professionally trained to do. It's what I do. We both can agree to end this at any time. That's part of what makes it a therapeutic endeavor and connection is that it's voluntary between both parties. All right. I appreciate that, Josh. I'm sorry I've got to run. I'd love to explore this further. And we'll talk again next week. And let, let me ask you now, is there anything in particular that you'd like to focus on for next week? You know, you mentioned the book Art of Loving by Eric mm-hmm. Fromm. And mm-hmm. I've had a couple of listeners reach out to me and say, hey, I'm I'm interested in that book. Mm. I don't know if, if you ever want to do like a book review or anything like that, or if there's any yeah. particular topics or anything that you feel like we've been building towards that you'd like to spend more time on. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I like the idea of that book. It's an incredible book. It's a short read. It's really fun. Um, I think it's very useful. It brings up a lot of the topics we've been talking about. I think he was brilliant. Eric Fromm was. And um, and then there's just that I'll probably be fresh off of uh, field theory. So we mm-hmm. could maybe just kind of talk a little bit more about that. Um, and yeah, I I can also chew on it, but those are the things that come to mind. I think that okay. looks great. I think field theory stuff would be great. And I like our just kind of back and forth that we do as well. Me too. So. Me too. Well, I really appreciate it, Josh. So I'll I'll, I'll make sure that I've got uh, Art of Loving read before we talk uh, next 
Wednesday. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing how your training goes. Awesome. And I can't wait till I'm sitting in on it at some point. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Take care, Josh. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, Glenn. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Dashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down arms of the night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic.